Lace up your boots and grab your mouth guards. It's time for the Rugby Wrap, the podcast about all things Western Force and the game we love. Well, hello and welcome to the Rugby Wrap. Nice to have you with us wherever you may be tuning in. We've got a big show coming up as we review and preview matches in the Super Rugby competition and we have a new promotion to reveal, so plenty of reasons to stay with us. My name's Mick Collis. Joining me, as always, former Wallaby Mitch Hardy. Mitch, good to see you. Yeah, nice to be back again, Mickey, and plenty to look forward to this week as we close in on the uh, Western Force first home game for some time. So really looking forward to having a chat to our guests this afternoon and also to this weekend where it's a fantastic double header at HBF Stadium. Yeah, plenty to look forward to. And unfortunately, our singlet-wearing emu export drinking partner, Heath Tessman, is stuck in a queue at the pie shop and can't join us, but he has sent through a couple of questions for our special guest so he'll be here in spirit. Well, as we hope the Western Force ended their road trip with a convincing 28-3 win against the Melbourne Rebels, a result that has them sitting in fifth place on the Super Rugby Pacific ladder. And the captain of the force is hooker Faleti Kaitu, and he joins us now. Faleti, thanks for your time on the Rugby Wrap. Hi, Mick and uh, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Now, before we get into the games, the captaincy, obviously a great honour. Was that a surprise? And how are you enjoying the role? Yeah, uh, a massive surprise. Uh, definitely didn't come into this season or, you know, I guess rocking up in my first week back at, at uh, the Force headquarters thinking that, um, you know, uh, and such an honour would be handed my way. And, um, yeah, caught me off guard a bit. But once it sunk in, uh, you know, I've, I've really uh, embraced it and tried to take it in my stride. And what sort of captain are you? Are you someone who likes to get lots of opinions or do you just make the call yourself? Nah, I'm, I'm definitely someone who I I'm, I'm like to think of myself as someone who's still quite quite young, especially as a front rower. And so with so much experience around me and um, guys who've been there and done it at the, at the highest level, um, I, I feel it would be remiss of me to not draw on everyone's experience, uh, but then make my own informed decision. On and, things. And, and what's the squad like to lead? You know, do, do they listen? Are they good listeners? Yeah, I, I'm uh, extremely, extremely blessed and extremely lucky to have a group like, like ours. Um, there's no egos. Uh, everyone gets along and, and ultimately we're all um, chasing perfection each day, each and every day and, and chasing elite standards and um, trying to take this club you know, in, in a new direction and, and a successful direction. Now, you're in, a, you're in a hotel somewhere. Are you in Perth now? I'm in Perth now, yes. So when did you, go, when did you get back to Perth? We flew back uh, the day after the game. So that was, I believe, Sunday. Yep. Um, and quarantining for a few days where the conditions were that we're, we were able to train this week. Um, where it was straight to the field, straight to gym and straight back to hotel, uh, which has been quite good. So, so you have been able to train. Yeah, that's, that's, that's handy. Because we spoke to Tim Sampson in week one when you didn't know how long that you were going to be away for. How, mm. how tough was that for the players? Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty, but it's nothing we hadn't uh, encountered previously. And uh, we'd, we'd spoken about it as a group, about this club and its fabric being built on the back of adversity and, and overcoming challenges. Um, and we were prepared to go however long it, it would have to take. And, um, you know, 
every everyone bought into that and, and we're prepared for whatever might have come our way. Yeah, well, it's, I'm sure you're enjoying being home and it's great to have you back here in Perth. And look, looking at your own time at the force, when you first came across to Perth, I'm sure you had you know, aspirations of being in the starting 15 and then going on to play for the Wallabies. It's all panned out pretty well for you, hasn't it? Yeah, it, it's bizarre sometimes how, how the, the world has its way and, and things just seem to fall into place. But, um, you know, obviously when we're going through that global rapid rugby period, um, the reality is we prob- probably weren't um, in front of the national selectors' eyes, whether whether we'd like to have thought we were or not. Um, and, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic hits and we're mm. thrust back into Super Rugby. Like, it's it just it's just bizarre how it's all worked out. But um, I guess I'm, I'm grateful that it has. Now, I know Tess, when we spoke during the week that um, you were coming on, he did say that he wanted to give you some pointers. So he'll be disappointed that he's, that he's not here. Yeah. Um, but he did text through a couple of questions and he said okay. anything, that you've, anything you've picked up in your time with the Wallabies that you've brought back to the playing group at the force? Uh, for me, the biggest thing I learned in that environment and especially from, from Dave Rennie is um, the detail in terms of rugby, um, the detail in terms of, you know, your attacking shape, um, you know, all, all, all the finer one percenter, uh, all the finer one percenters, you know, in, in the game, um, those things accumulate and, and in the end, I feel, become the difference. Uh, the teams that can do the basics, and it's probably cliche, but the teams that can do the basics, you know, time and time again, or the full, full 80 and be disciplined in sticking to that, um, I feel ultimately come away with the result. And so um, that's something, you know, we're, we're holding ourselves accountable to um, at, at the force, chasing those elite standards. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's one major thing. And then secondly for me is, is team culture. And sometimes it's hard to, to define, um, but it's something you've got to work away at. And it's, it's, it, it starts from the top. Um, right through the organisation, right, you know, down to, to the players. Um, and, I, and I, you know, we've had a few guys come into our environment and everything and, and they speak so highly of it. So um, I couldn't be prouder to be, you know, serving this club and, um, yeah, looking forward to, to where we go with it. Do you think that, that team culture you talked about, is that more important at somewhere like the force where you've got so many people that, that do come in from, from different places? I think it's important. Um, I think it's important in any environment, team culture, and uh, it, it, it's the difference between, I guess, highly successful teams and teams that are, that are mediocre. Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, a, a team with, with a strong culture, um, they're the ones who are going to keep showing up for one another, whether it's a, you know, a tough time or a good time. Um, for me, that yeah, that's essentially what it is. Mitchell, Fletty, jump in. Yeah, yeah, Fletty, good, good opportunity to talk yourself up here now. So your Wallabies experience. So what can, what can you take away, or what can you um, sort of reflect on as part of that Wallaby experience from last year? I know you're talking a little bit more in the team sense, but what about you as an individual? What were the 
you know, what were some of the things that you as an individual was, were able to improve for your game in particular, but also what, what were some of the takeaways being in that environment as an individual? Yeah. So individually for me, um, I guess being of, of Tongan descent and uh, growing up my entire, I've been playing footy since I was five years old and, you know, I've always loved the the physical confrontation of the game, like the, you know, running, trying to run over people and folding people in half. That That's always been, I, I love, love playing the game and, and that, you know, that aspect of it. Um, it wasn't until I sort of um, nudged my way in, into professional systems, but more so, more so when I first rocked up at the force that I realised how important set piece was. So scrummaging and your line out throwing it's as as a hooker um if you nail all that you there's a chance that you could still play even if you can't pass a ball or you know what i mean like the that's your core role and and you've got to be able to to do that at a at a high standard and consistently um so i've i've developed that over the the last couple years and obviously got it to a standard where it's put me in the frame for Wallaby selection. Um, but having gone into that environment, um, I was exposed to a English specialist throwing coach um, called Simon Hardy, and he had been the forwards coach for England, like won a World Cup with them and um, had been with them for, I think, over two decades. So, he's a contact of Dave Rennie's and had him come in and spend some time with me because um, technically there were, there's an aspect in my, in the placement of my hands on the footy. Um, this is getting real technical, but no, no, please do. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there, there was technically there was, um, I wouldn't say a fault, but like, potential for improvement and efficiency of the the ball and, and how it's thrown with the adjustments that this guy has made. And um, I think the biggest thing I've, I've uh, taken from, from that experience is um, yeah, just, just being extremely consistent with, uh, with, with my craft and, and um, you know, that, that ultimately that's my core role. So I've got to nail that. I got injured the first day of uh, camp when I, when I first rocked up into apologies. I've just dropped my, when I first rocked up into Wallabies camp, I tore my hamstring. And so I missed the French series uh, games against the All Blacks. Um, so, so that was a bit of a challenge in itself but managed to get myself right and, and get three tests in the end. Um, didn't play on spring tour. So there's, there's a fair bit of fire in my belly for this season. Um, and I guess wanting to prove myself. And just and before, you, Mitch, be, yeah, Mitch, before you just you jump go. in, that was Heath Tessman's second question was going to be that he's been very impressed with your throwing and anything the new coaches have brought to your game. So I'm glad you answered that for Tess. He'll be, he'll be very happy to hear that because it's something he's noticed. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Our, uh, New forwards coach, um, Paul Tito, uh, nicknamed Fish. Uh, I don't know why. He's, uh, <laughs> he's a great line-out operator. He was, he, I don't know if you guys remember him, but he uh, was was the big dog in, in the line-out at the Hurricanes yeah. during the John Alomu era, etc. Mm. 
Um, and so the detail that he's brought to to our line out, not only from a thrower's perspective, because when when spectators see a, a ball go over the 15 in a line out, the first thing people always blame is is the hooker, right? Yeah. But uh, there's actually a lot more to it than than uh, <laughs> than you might think. I'm not trying to cover my own uh, back, but um, he that that's that's helped me a lot. You know what he's brought in in that sense, um, and, and given me the freedom to just trust my process. Because you still like you, you you know you've played for the Wallabies, you're playing professional rugby. Are you surprised that you're still learning? No, I'm not. I, I don't think. Like the reality is no matter where you get to in this game, you've got to constantly evolve. You've got to constantly adapt if you want to stay ahead of the game. And, 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 and the, I, I guess that goes for any sport or any, you know, path you take in life. You, there's never a time where you reach the destination. It's just a constant, constant chasing perfection because we know we can never reach perfection. But if you're constantly chasing it, uh, whether it's one percent you're you're improving or two percent or or nothing for one day, like that intent to get better every day will take you a long way. And Flady, so there's a few few hookers around, all all sort of scrambling for that uh, Wallaby jersey at the moment. And certainly, you must be happy with the first two weeks of the of the competition coming up against the Brumbies and the Rebels. But who do you see as the threats out there? Who are the who are the hookers that you really want to make sure that you've you've got their measure across the season this year? Is it the Aussie ones or is it the Kiwi ones? Uh, to be honest, Mitch, I don't I don't focus at all really on anyone else. Uh, I think the biggest competition is myself, and if I'm bringing the best version of myself, um, you know, test spots or, or rankings in in where you are in the world as in your position sort of take care of themselves um you know obviously the the kiwi hookers are um you know they they speak for themselves in in the development of that in the evolving of that position and um almost being a second back rower i feel they they were really the first to take it to that next level so um you know but yeah, that, that's how I approach things. I don't. I literally don't worry about anyone else but myself. And um, yeah, that's how it yeah. is. No, that's a good approach to have. And so the other thing we need you to explain is why you haven't had a rolling more try this year. Every other hooker in the competition sniffs these out. Is <laughs> is the forces set up a little bit differently where you don't get that opportunity to get the chocolates, or are you you're hunting for one? Uh. Oh, I'd love I'd love to get a meat pie eventually, but we're like I back our attacking coach and the plans that they've got in place. If he wants me to get over the white line, you know, one week I, I will. But um, you know, whatever, whatever the whatever's best for the team, whatever plans he's got, I'll, uh, I'll I'm on board. Have you got a couple of ball thieves that sneak in there on those rolling walls to try and snap? No, nah, <laughs> if. Uh, if I'm the man to to have the ball ball at the end, I'm I'm gonna make sure I've got it. But um, yeah, your your Brynard Standers and uh, who be else? Who else? Is, surely. Yeah, Brynard Stander, your Tim Mancy's that love to be on the camera. They're all they're all guys who, who'd like to uh, keep it off me. I reckon. Very good. And um, obviously, your club here in Perth is uh, the Boars, West Subia, uh, West Scarborough. Um, 
So your time with them, um, you enjoy getting back to club rugby every now and then, catching up with the guys down at West? Yeah, I love grassroots footy. Like from, I guess, as I said earlier, I grew up in Brisbane at South Magpies Rugby Club where Tim Horan, Todd Ikefu and all that were. Played there, you know, virtually my entire entire life. And then um, went over to a club called Jeeps Ashgrove. Went from there to a club in Christchurch called New Brighton Rugby Club where uh, Ryan Crotty's from. So my journey's come right through the grassroots and, and, and you know, local footy. Um, and, and, yeah, I found my home here at West Scarborough when I first rocked up five years ago. And um, it's no different to any other club I've, I've been at. And that family and um, vibe, you know, um, any, any chance I get, especially now that we're able to, to be home, I try to get down and, and support the club in any way I can. Yeah, great. Now, moving on to this weekend against the Reds, the big clash. Um, where do you think the main focus areas are going to be for the force and where do you th- think the threats are going to be from the Reds? Without giving too much away, of course, you can, you yeah. can be fairly general. Yeah, yeah. Um, mate, it's, it's no lie that footy games are one up front, one to eight. Um, so we're going to have to dominate them in the forward pack and, and that's an area uh, where they really uh, pride themselves on up front in, in the scrum and uh, having big Tong and Thor there. Uh, I think his back's a bit crook, so I, uh, I asked his uh, brother to punch it for me the other day before <laughs> they got on the flight, so see how that went. Um, but, yeah, you know, if we dominate up front, I've uh, no doubt that our backs will uh, will uh, finish the job. And you've got, a really, there. you've got a really consistent um, team, which has been great for the third third week in a row, pretty much the same personnel. How much does that help? Yeah, consistency is great for combinations um, and, and, you know, being, being more and more aware of one another and how we play out on the field. Um, but... No one's spot is safe. It's not a matter of just rolling out the same team for the mm. sake of it. You know, our, our whole message each and every week is about competing at training, no matter how little or how small the comp- that, that challenge is, competing in, in every little battle you get. Um, and, and that just drives standards. So, um, yeah. And I, and I noticed Mickey Isaac Rodder uh, re-signed this week and extended his contract with the force. So, Fleety, is that a, a good uh, motivation to maybe look at extending your time in WA? To have yeah, players I, like I, him, you know, the confidence I, to extend? There's, uh, with it, it, you don't no, have to sp- speak if you're in negotiations at the moment, mate. It's all good. No, nah, mate, it's it's no secret that I, I, I've told straight to the big boss, Matt Hodgson, um, you know, Tony Lewis, they know I'm fully invested in this team and they, I don't think they would have given me the captaincy if they had a sense of doubt mm. about where my loyalty lies. Um, and they know that, that, that um, you know, the force is where my heart is. You won't find me playing at another Australian Super Rugby Club. Great. Um, Good to hear. We just need Rugby Australia to top you up, mate, to keep you in Western Australia. See how we go. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey, you got any questions for this yeah, weekend? Yeah, I mean, pe- people always talk about um, sides having a mix of youth and experience. And at the force, that's great. You've got former All Black Richard Kahui, and then you've got someone like uh, Rashan Pasatoa, who's 16 years his junior. It's um, it's a great mix of plays you've got. 
Yeah, exactly. That, that's the best thing about this club is you've you've got guys who've been there and done it, um, seen it all, and then you've got a young kid with um, so much potential like Ray Ray, and uh, you know just to have that ability to to learn off one another both ways. You know, mm-hmm. Reg, Reggie's still teaching Kahui a few things and and vice versa. Um, you know, yeah, it's it, it's awesome to to have. Uh, that capacity here at that at the force, and the the post match victory song. Uh, it's always a highlight for the fans to sort of find that on social media. Last week was Miley Cyrus's "Wrecking Ball." Um, did you did you know many of the words for that one, or did you have to read the song sheet? I had to read the song sheet. My <laughs> my, my wife won't be too proud of me, but um, yeah, I've got to get onto our song master Fergus and um, see if you can get couple songs with a few lower notes because I'm going to lose my voice trying to hit those ones. Because, no, I mean, it, it's, I, mean, I think that from the fans' point of view, to see all you guys really enjoying that moment and enjoying each other, it's, um, it makes us very happy to be supporting the Western Force because it just, it just seems like a, a great group of people and, it, and it, it's a fun team to support when we see you guys like that. Yeah, that's exactly, I guess, the culture that we talk about from outside looking in and people wanting to know what it's like to be in the inner sanctum and, and be a part of it. Um, you know, it's, it's something we want to keep cultivating and growing over time. Yeah, no, it's great. Well, look, Flea, thanks very much for your time. We do appreciate it. Congratulations on the captaincy and on the win last week. And let's hope you can go back to back against the Reds on Friday night at HBF. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks, uh, Mick. Thanks, Mitch. Good luck. Thanks very much. Go well. Cheers. Thank you. So that was Flitty Kaitu'u, captain of the Western Force. And he's really developed, Mitch, hasn't he, in the time that he's been at the Western Force? Yeah, and what I really liked about that little chat just then is is that he put the team first all the time. Like, yeah. he's always thinking about what's, you know, you know, subconsciously, it would be really easy for a player to start talking about themselves. But he just kept talking, referring back to the mm. team and the team approach and that sort of stuff. And I think that epitomises where his game's got to as a player like you look at where he was maybe two years ago to where he is now and he is just been you can tell that he's been working on the little things the one percenters as you mentioned obviously that expertise in coaching along the way with with being exposed to Wallabies um, camp has really made a big difference to his set piece and just the way he goes about his business you just think there's a little bit more polish about his game this year than there was before um, if I had, if I had anything, I'd like to see him start to play the full eighty minutes because I think he's got a lot to offer as uh, the next sort of generation of hooker, which you know, modelled on the Kiwi version of hookers. They're more mobile. They've got skills, and Filetti hasn't probably run with the ball as much as I reckon we'd like to see him run. So I think back into the game is where he could be starting to be that Dane Coles type player. Uh, where he can start to break things, break things up in the midfield, carrying the footy. So, I mean, he's in great shape. Like he's he he was carrying a few bit of pudding early on in the piece a couple of years ago, but I think he's now in terrific shape. Mm. He's worked on his um, set piece, and now with the leadership under his belt, he's just got that measure and that real team ethos, and he's quietly just running that team out in front. So I'd love to see him finish a couple of games. Um, this year, and I'd really like to see him keep dominating those Australian hookers. I think he well and truly got the points over Ulysses on a weekend, like he smashed him, hmm. um, and certainly had a good hit out against the Brumbies the other week. So coming up against Alex Murphy, it's going to be a good challenge for him. But you know, Murphy can be off his game at times, but Valetti's just been that Mister Consistent.
And it's interesting when he's, he's talking about his, his craft as the thing that he's got to get right. And I know a couple of years ago, if you rewind through some of these podcasts that we did, one of the criticisms we had of him was that his, his work around the ground was great, but mm. his line-out throwing was just that little bit off. And, you know, we had the force losing, you know, two or three line-outs against the throw consistently. But but now, yeah. as you know, Tess has noticed and he was, was saying just as it'll fine-tuning his craft as making a world of difference as well. Yeah, and that's going to be the difference to whether or not he's going to be an international player for the future or a super rugby player. Mm. So, you know, it's um, he needs to make sure that he just keeps working away at that. And by having good coaches around him helps with that as, as well as a little bit of pressure for position as well. Um, see, we, you know, this week they've made a change at nine, the Western Force, you know, um, prize moved off for Isaac Fines to start. So, you know, no, no, the good thing about where the Western Force is at the moment, that no position can be resting on their laurels and just mm. take it for granted. Um, they do have a little bit better depth and the depth is, is coming through um, for their starting 23 at least. So I think they've just got to keep chipping away and, and they've put, put themselves in a really good position for this weekend's game. And one, we mentioned um, Rashan Pasatoa getting plenty of attention during the week. Tint Horan has come out and tweeted that he has to be in the Wallabies in 2022, early days, but he's a future star at 20 years old. The time is right. Now, you're shaking your head. Not everyone agreed. Um, Michael Checker certainly was one that, that didn't agree, believed they just should just be, be left alone. That's that's your feeling? Yeah, absolutely. Like, just shut up, Timmy Horan. Like, seriously. <laughs> like, just, just let the kid play and just enjoy a full season of Super Rugby before they, yeah. you know, he's two games in. He hadn't even played two full games of Super Rugby and Tim Warren's out there spruiking this. I mean, you go, come on, have you got not, nothing better to say? I mean, it's great to have that recognition from a former lobby and all that stuff. And I'm sure Rashan and all his friends and family will be really happy for that endorsement. But he's got a job to be the starting 10 for every game this Super Rugby season for Lesson Force. And if he can do that, and finish a full season starting 10 every single game and play and play to the, his best of his ability like he has been, then, yeah, maybe we can talk about that. But two games in, please. I mean, seriously, that's just is ridiculous. It, and Michael Checker went off his brain. Did you, I don't know if you saw that, but he just went, come on. That's, that is the problem with Australian rugby. Oh, I was going to say, so, is that the problem? So, so much quick. Time. Yeah. Oh, you're good. Jump Shove on. you in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you played Australian twenties. You're in. You played Australian schoolboys. You're in. Yeah. Like they need to back off and just let these these youngsters get the experience that they need to go to the next level. Yeah. There's, There's a great article. There's a great article floating around um, about uh, what it's like in Australia versus uh, Richie Mawanga and just the 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 steps that. Richie Moanga talk where he didn't make the All Blacks till he was, you know, 24 or something rather, and he had all these things that he went through. Whereas, yeah, here in Australia, we've got a kid that's played two games, and all of a sudden they're saying, "Yep, let's get him in." So it's just that it's a different mindset over there than it is to here. Yeah, and and you know, um, the, you know, the, there's other players in that lineup for the force that will be wanting that 10, 10 jumper from Rashan, and he's got a big challenge this week going up against James O'Connor. Yeah. I mean, let's let's face it. Noel Alessio didn't didn't give him much opposition in that first game, and how you know Noel Alessio was the flavour of the month two seasons ago in his breakout season of Super Rugby, and mm. then sort of has dropped off since, and he's struggling struggling to find a bit of form. And Matt yeah. Tamua, well, he was nothing but dreadful last weekend. Um, he was embarrassing. So, um, and I really feel for a kid like Carter Gordon, who is on par, if not in front of Rashan at the moment, if you look at raw talent. Yeah, 
Yeah, interesting to see. So, look, we wish him all the best this week. It will be a great challenge. We will get to the, the side later on. Just while we're on uh, last week, some other results. The Brumbies, 42 against the Drua, 3. Crusaders, 34, beating the Highlanders, 19. Great try by Will Jordan um, from Counterattack. I'm not sure if you saw that, Mitch. The Highlanders put a bomb up. Um, was caught on the 10-metre line, Crusaders territory, four or five sets of hands, just a classic Crusaders counter-attacking try. Hurricanes, 33, Blues, 32. It was 32-14 with 10 to go. Uh, a cracking finish to that match, and former NRL star Roger Tuovastashek had some nice touches, but uh, he had a, in that late Hurricanes try, just showed that that the defending in centres apparently is um, a lot harder. A little, little bit looks. different in rugby and rugby <laughs> yeah. league, defending in the yeah. centres. Oh, that was a cracking game too, Mick. That that Hurricanes comeback at the end and Artie Savio, what a machine. Oh, how good. Yeah. Oh, I mean, so good. That's where you, you kind of, you worry, like you look at that and you look at the Australian things and you wonder how this second half of the season is going to go once we do split up to play against these New Zealand teams. Yeah, and the Kiwi games still are the pick of the games every weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's, seriously, they really are. It's amazing. Um, it's, it's amazing another rugby. level. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure Moana Pacifica, two abandoned games the first two weeks. They'll be chomping at the bit for a game yeah. this weekend. Absolutely. And the other match last week, the Reds twenty uh, defeating the Waratahs sixteen. Waratahs unlucky, do you think, or the Reds deserve that one? Uh, I think the Reds were the better team on the night. The Waratahs didn't quite do enough to to win it for me. They sort of got in their own way a little bit. The Reds, the Reds were okay. It wasn't a great game of rugby, um, and the conditions didn't help that very much. James O'Connor was a little bit better, I thought. Uh, Tate McDermott, um, if he's not fit this weekend, he went off uh, limping last weekend. Yeah, no, he, so if he's, he, he's out. He's out. Yeah, he's he's going to be a big loss for the Reds because um, their trial form without him wasn't great, mm. um, and especially with Taniela Tupu also in doubt. Um, I'm not sure if he's been named the starting lineup just yet. On the on the bench, he's on the bench. On the bench, see, yeah, yeah, yeah not, yeah. So they're going to they're going to suck and see, and I'm not sure their starting front row without him is going to be able to match the force. They could be under yeah. a bit of pressure early on. So, yep, uh, without that was a lucky win for the Reds. They should take that. The Waratahs should be a little bit disappointed that they didn't come away with a win there. And then just looking ahead to this week, uh, Friday night, or firstly with Super W, which kicks off this weekend. Force up against the Reds at HBF at 4.45 on Friday. Then Saturday, the Rebels against Fiji and the Brumbies against New South Wales. That's Super W kicking off this week. And then in the Super Rugby Pacific on Friday, as you mentioned, Mitch, Moana Pacifica making their Super Rugby debut up against the Crusaders. So a, a tough initiation for them. Uh, the Drua playing the Rebels. So we're going to play at Suncorp. That's been moved to the Sunshine Coast due to the flooding up there. And the Force versus the Reds at HBF in the doubleheader at 7 o'clock. And then on Saturday, Blues against the Chiefs, the Hurricanes against the Highlanders and the Brumbies up against the Waratahs. And that should be an interesting one. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really hope the Fiji Drew will get up over the Melbourne Rebels, Mickey. I'd, I'd like to see them get a win and get amongst the competition. I think the uh, Moana Pacifica might do it a bit tough against the Crusaders. I think that might be a bit of a baptism of fire for them. But it'd be interesting to see how they go and, and actually get their eyes on their pack and, and how they're going to play the game across the, the competition. Um, the Brumbies-Waratahs game, I think that'll be closer than a lot of a lot of people expect. I, I, I know everyone will be going for the favourites being the Brumbies, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Waratahs sneak home on this one. Um, the Brumbies have been by f- haven't been at their best. I know they chalked up 40 points against Fiji on the weekend. I still think they're far from their best at the moment. And I think the Waratahs will be hurting from 
um, going down to the Reds last weekend. And Darren Coleman will certainly have his troops ready to go for that clash. So I think that's going to be a lot closer than people expect. The Reds, the Reds Western Force game on Friday night. Well, isn't this going to be a cracker, especially with the double header with the girls kicking off, Mick? I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, I think you said it earlier, the Western Force began to name pretty much an unchanged 23, if you like. Um, the you know the big change I noticed was Isaac Fines going to nine, which I think is a terrific move, especially mm. with no Tate McDermott there. I think that's going to be a great opportunity for the force. And I think the Western Force forward pack is going to dominate up front. It's just whether or not they can get enough points on the board uh, and keep that sustained pressure for the full 80 minutes. I'm, I'm sort of backing a force win here. I reckon it's going to be a close one. I reckon there'll be a few tries scored. I think it'll be reasonably high scoring, uh, sort of at that 33-26 margin is what I'm predicting on Friday night. And it's uh, I know there'll be a lot of punters out there really keen to get down to HBS Stadium. Um, it's, of course, it's only at 50% capacity, but 10,000 there would be more than adequate. Yeah, and see Ollie Callan um, has been brought into the number seven jersey, so can't get taken on the bench. So it's a local kid for a local kid, which is terrific. And that Kahui Cole Goblin centre pairing. Yeah, um, I like that. that again. Yeah, yeah. The Kahui Goblin centre pairing is where it's got to be at, especially with Rashan there and Isaac Fines. And I think uh, Kahui, I think he got player of the, the, the day last weekend. He had a really good game. He's uh, got a good head. Uh, that back row, though, that's that's probably where it's going to be, you know, really tight on Friday night against the Reds' back row. So, Harry yeah, Wilson, so- McWright, Wright, those guys with Scott Young against Ollie Callan, Stander and... Um, Tim Anstey. Anstey. Uh, Anstey was really good last weekend, yeah. too. He was terrific. He's, but, get, he's getting better. Yeah. So, I just, just think that's that's a tough ask. I reckon, I reckon they could put a bit of pressure on our breakdown. And the front row, um, Flitty talked about it, you know, being one up front. So the Western Force, Tom Robertson, Flitty Kaitu'u and Santiago Medrano up against Dane Zander, Josh Nasser and Faya Fotuaika. Um, you'd have to think the Western Force have got the... They'll the, smash them. Sort of, oh. <laughs> They'll smash them up front, mate. They will absolutely drill them. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't give the Reds any chance at set-piece time with that front row. I reckon the Western Force front row is going to absolutely dominate there. And if they don't, I'd be surprised. And so the, the battle of the back lines, um, you know, I mean, again, look, you know, the, the Reds, Hunter Pasami, uh, Jordan Pattaya, Amy Stewart, uh, and O'Connor, and, and Kalani Thomas, that 9-10 combination. Um, Kalani Thomas, certainly not a, not, a, not a big name. That's going to be an interesting battle, isn't it, that 9-10? Yeah, and, and Kalani Thomas is a bit susceptible to making mistakes at time, and um, you know, Pasami being back in there, I think that's that's crucial for the Reds. Um, Jordan Batea has been a little bit off again. You're just not sure, and I've said this a few times. You're just not sure whether or not he's enjoying his rugby. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't do a lot of work off the ball? They really need a Filippo Duganu, Jock Campbell, those type of players really just step up this week. The Reds and, and bring him a little bit of firepower from off the ball, um, rather than rely on the sort of the the stock standard approach through the midfield. Hunter must be champing in the bit. He hasn't had a lot of game time the first two weeks of the competition. So any game time he gets, I think, uh, will be interesting. But I think Kahui and Gon would defend pretty well together. Mm. And I think our back three is as good a back three as we can roll out. So um, we've got the firepower there and we've got the return with interest on the kicking side of things. So it'll just, it'll just come down to whether O'Connor can just direct his troops around the field and 
be able to use, play to the red strengths, but I, I, I can't see how the reds are going to get out of this one. But interesting, oh, there was an interesting stat reported by Nick Taylor in the West on uh, after the game and said the the, Reb, the Western Force forced the Rebels into making 62 more tackles and making 50, and the Force making 56 more carries. So they, they still can't seem to break that defensive line enough. Is that, yeah. is that still a weakness for the Force? It is. It is in these big games. These must-win games, which is the difference to, to being in the semifinals later in the year or not, is still, they've still got to produce that attacking firepower to produce the tries. Um, and they're just not quite capitalised. They're just not getting those line breaks from that 20 to 40 metres out. A lot of their, a lot of their points are coming from inside of Teams 22. They tend to grind a team, get them inside their 22, and then they'll either get the penalties or get the the the, the try through that that avenue. So they're not really getting the clean line breaks and the and the point scoring ability from out wide, you know, from a longer way out. So that's where. The force have got to improve their game. Tim Sampson's identified it. We identified it as a real issue last year, but I have a feeling that um, through Tim Anstey being a, a bit better player this year, Kahui with his leadership, uh, a better back three, that there's more potential there than ever before. And you're going to put a, a score on it? Yeah, 33-26, mate, is I think what I've predicted. 33-26. All right. I'll head try, to head. I'll try and write that down and we'll hold so you I think to that I, one. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't forget, we've got a little head-to-head article in the uh, match day program these days, Mickey. Oh, that's well. right. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. We, we're, we're one from one with our predictions. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go straight to the mailbag. And in some breaking news, the Western Force have become the first Australian Super Rugby Club to pay their women's players. So the news comes on the eve of the Force women opening their super season in doubleheader with the men's side against Queensland at HBF Park on Friday. So we had Trillene Pomeray, the captain of the Western Force, in last week as our guest, and she was we were talking about how it's very hard for the women when they're not getting paid, but it's now been announced the Western Force have become the first Australian Super Rugby Club to pay their women's players. So there'll be an article, uh, Nick Taylor has broken that one, but that's, Mitch, fantastic news for the, for the Perth girls. Yeah, how happy would the girls be leading into their first game on home stadium that they're going to get a few bucks in the pocket? Mm. Um, that always helps. And, and you know, you don't play for the money. And certainly Trulene last week was indicating, you know, it's not about it's not about the money, but that all helps, especially when you're supporting a family and you're travelling away from work and, and they're going to spend a few weeks on the road going back and forward over this, this competition that they've got coming up. So any support that they can get, is, is going to be well appreciated. And I think there's a lot of fans of women's rugby up there that will be applauding that move. Yeah, and it just it keeps the it keeps the code competitive with if you've got a young athlete, it's yeah. going to stop them going to rugby league or stop them going to AFL. They can actually stay Absolutely. in rugby and it could draw the other ones. You know, I saw um, Tim Walsh, their sevens coach, he was talking about how he wants to try and get players from uh, the NRL and the or NRLW and the AFLW into the Australian Sevens team. You know that that whole Olympics is a pretty big carrot to dangle in front of some of these athletes. And if we can get them in through that way, then then think, look, here's the rugby f- community and the rugby fraternity. Why don't you hang around and play 15s? Yes, you can also get paid to play 15s. It's it's a great yeah. way, great recruiting tool for some of these talented athletes running around. Absolutely. And if I've got any criticism of the Australian Sevens programs, is those players don't play enough 15s. So yeah. you need to have that pool of players, if you like, that mm. you can cross cross pollinate the two two modified versions of the game, the fifteens and the sevens. Yeah. 
Um, and just on the sevens, Demi Hayes and Charlotte Kaslick have been appointed co-captains of the Australian women's seven side. So that's good news for them. Uh, other news, Reese Hodge, he was given one week suspension after the double yellow last week. Uh, the knockdown rule. What, what, do you, what do you think? How do you of the get knock- a week? How do you get a week suspension? Like, surely he's already been penalised twice. It's a knockdown pass. Both the, one of them was was pretty legit. The other one, you could probably argue whether or not it was it was a bit contentious. Anyway, the first one, the second. I think one was the whole knockdown rule is contentious. If if you can get your hand in the way, I, I surely that's yeah. the error of the attacking team. Mate, I reckon I would have got about 20 yellow cards when I played <laughs> rugby for knocking down passes, trying to intercept them and stuff. But, yeah, no, I don't think – but, you know, I, I don't have a problem with the deliberate knockdown if it's an intentional foul, so it's a professional foul, and they've done it on purpose and it's, you know, stopped the try being scored or something like that. But if you're trying to actually catch the ball, then but surely they never, that's okay. Yeah, but they never rule that. Like, that's no. always, if you put your hand on it and it goes to the ground, it's intentional whether you're trying to catch it or not. Ah, uh, yeah. But but then suspending the guy for a week. Yeah, how no, that, that's a... How does, why is think, stupid? I think red card is an automatic one week. I just think that's Well, that's rule. stupid, especially for a knockdown one. Yeah, I know. That's just that's just ridiculous. They need to review that. That's that's just silly. I mean, the Rebels might be applauding that, the way Reese Hodge has been playing. <laughs> week off, saves, saves the coaches having to drop him because he's been and, pretty bad. Another uh, contentious issue in the Six Nations uh, last weekend, Ireland versus Italy. Italy were down to 13 men and had uncontested scrums because the reserve hooker was sent off. I don't know if you if you saw it, Mitch, but I was trying to get my head around uh, what happened. So, so the, the re- backup hooker. Yeah. So, so the starting hooker got injured. So the replacement yeah. hooker came on. Yep. He got he got red carded for contact to someone's head. Yep. So. The fact that they had no available trained hooker within their 23-man squad meant that the scrums had to go to uncontested. Yep. And in the World Rugby's latest version of the laws, that meant that the team that caused the uncontested scrum had to lose, lose an additional player. So they yep. started with 14 and then they packed a scrum and the ref said, no, nah, someone else has got to go. And the Italians are going, what are you talking about? And he said, this is the rule. So they were then down to 13 men. And it yep. didn't make sense, but I was reading the law it was put in place to prevent teams attempting to minimise the damage done by the red card by bringing on a faster player like a back rower to stand in uncontested scrums against opponents who still had the three you know, fat front rowers mm-hmm. on the field. So it's an awkward one, but um, that was the rule. But I think that's going to be looked at because in a, in a Six Nations game, when you've got 15 against 13, and it's, it's, um, it's not a great advertisement then for an international well, rugby when, when that happens. That 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 law with the reducing a man and another man if you go uncontested is in place in a lot of community rugby competitions to stop that very thing that you know you they want to encourage teams to make sure they've got fully trained front rowers that can play yeah. in positions and and all the rest of it. So there was far too many uncontested scrums going there at one stage at community level. I know they brought that in to to combat that, but that's different to Six Nations. Um, mm. What would be a good solution to that one is bring in the red card twenty minute. Rule. Yeah, that's so true. The, if you have a red card, he only has to go off for twenty minutes. For twenty. Yeah. So at the end of the day, if that occurs, you're only going to be thirteen minutes for the last twenty minutes for game. Yeah. Otherwise, well, otherwise after twenty, you can bring that guy back on. Because what about didn't rugby used to have like the the twenty third man was the twenty third man who didn't actually he didn't actually play? Then all of a sudden, the twenty third became. A part player. of the 23. So mm. do we need to go to a 24th man, which is a, a spare hooker Loker. or a spare, a spare front rower? 
yeah, but might then, not might not play, but they're they're there in yeah. case something like that happens. Well, they, well, they yeah, well, that was a whole reason why they expanded to 23 because then they had a a loose head, a hooker, and a tight head. I guess on they the had bench. they did have yeah, they got, two hookers. Yeah, well, it's just yeah. it's an unusual. It, it won't happen. It doesn't I, happen a lot. But and I, I know it's one of those. And I know a lot of front rowers would go cook on me for saying this, but surely if you play in the front row, you can play pretty much all three positions. Yeah, I say. <laughs> is that is that from your view? Is that from your view on the wing? <laughs> yeah, no, I've just upset. I've just upset probably twenty five percent of our audience now by they saying all... that if you can play tight head, you can play loose head. If you can play loose head, you can play hooker. Exactly. Um, yeah, we'll wait and we'll wait and see. This yeah. is where we need Heath Tessman to stick up for. Oh, he'd be beside himself now. The front row. Uh, also, uh, the local comp starts on the 2nd of April and plans are underway to have the match of the round broadcast on Stan Sport, which is a fantastic idea. I think it's great exposure for the comp and uh, and for the game over here and for the players over here. Yeah, if we can if we can promote uh, Perth Club Rugby to a broader audience, that's going to be a fantastic thing. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'd be really looking forward to showcasing our best of the best mm. in Clubland each week on stand, right up against the, the Shoot Shield and the the Hospitality Cup from Brisbane or the Hospital Cup from Brisbane, um, you know, and it'll be great to be able to just tune in and flick through the stand channels on a Saturday afternoon and pick up the Perth Club game as, as part of that series of uh, community rugby promotion. So, yeah, because I mean, the ma- and the match of the round, it's a, it's the match of the round is a, they're great games. I, I saw a few of them last yeah. year and they're, they're just, it's really good, high quality rugby. Yeah, and I think it's good for the local talent too. So, the best of the best. Uh, of the local Perth club players having that extra little bit of exposure as well. Never know, it might lead to something for them. Yeah, exactly. They might get spotted. And also uh, for guys on the East Coast that, you know, might be playing second grade, can't crack first grade, they see the comp here and think, oh, geez, that's a lot better than I thought. And there might be a bit of a pathway. It's It's a nice little inducer to get more guys just coming across to play their, play their trade over here. Having a crack. Why not? Mm. Yep. Uh, And then finally, we've got a, a new promotion called now we're we're making this up as we go along but we think we're going to call it hardy's heroes so we've joined forces with the local brewer heroes and villains and at the end of each round you just need to nominate your hero of the week it can be from any of the games super w or the super rugby pacific put your nomination for your hero of the week on facebook at the rugby rap or on twitter which is at rugby underscore rap and if mitch hardy agrees you win a voucher for a four pack of attention seeker ale or two tasting paddles, which is 600 metre, 100 mil uh, beers per paddle. So you take your voucher up to Heroes and Villains Brewery in Osborne Park, and you can have a couple of beers on us. So uh, how good is that? Oh, mate, I am so excited about this uh, promotion with Heroes and Villains Brewery, Mick. It's uh, Shannon and the guys there at Heroes and Villains, great fellas to make some terrific brews and just be able to promote the, you know, the player of the week in a different light, uh, hero of the week, so to speak. Um, it's going to it's going to be good because it creates that little bit of debate amongst the punters out there. Hmm. Um, and you know we had a huge amount of success with our tea promotion that year. Exactly. <laughs> um, and it'd be great for all the punters to get behind a, a local WA company and support them as well, um, as well as having a bit of fun at the meantime trying to pick our hero of the week. We can we can have a bit of debate about that. So and um, yeah, it's very generous of them to come on to the promotion. Let's hope. That uh, also plans afoot, Mick. We've been talking about and potentially having a live podcast down at the brewery there at Osborne Park, 
and be able to have uh, punters come along and enjoy some of the the sample a few beers and enjoy being part of the podcast. That'd be a lot of fun. Which would be fantastic. So you can find out more about Heroes and Villains at heroesandvillainsbeer.com.au and a big thanks to them for coming on. If you are interstate, um, you'll need to get yourself over here if you do win. Otherwise, feel free to donate your voucher to the Rugby Wrap team and I'm sure that that won't go to waste. Well, that's about us. So a big Friday night coming up, Super W and the Western Force doubleheader. It all kicks off at 4.45 out at HBF Stadium. So if you've got nothing on, um, make sure you get out there. I know it is only 50% capacity, but I'm sure tickets are still available. So get out there and, and support the team and welcome them back to Perth. So Mitch, good to see you. Yep, great to be here tonight. Mick was good to having a chat to Filetti. He was good. Um, and we'll come up with some new guests over the next coming weeks. If anyone's got any thoughts or ideas or people would like to hear from, let us know on the Facebook page or um, do a tweet to Mick and uh, we'll take that on board and, and obviously incorporate that into our podcast. Yeah, and Tess, cheerio to you. I, I know you always like to listen back to the podcast, so uh, we'll hopefully have you back next week. Thanks to everyone for listening and we'll catch you next time on the Rugby Wrap.